All right, so first off, I would like to say welcome to the new updated version of the podcast, Gentry. Thank welcome. you. I'm, yeah. I'm liking it so far. Yeah, it's it's nice. Uh-huh. It's a little to get used to. Um, I think that maybe some point in time you should sit in this chair with all the soundboard stuff because that gets confusing. I think I'll pass. You can just keep right on doing that. <laughs> pressing buttons is so much fun. Uh, I, I typically press the wrong buttons. <laughs> that's okay. I do too sometimes. All right. Uh, in this episode of the podcast, we are going to be talking about surviving and stopping or at least slowing uh, mass shooting events. Okay, like I said, um, it, it seems like there are a lot of mass shooting events that happen, uh, especially here in America. And unfortunately, it is a reality of what we live in at this present moment. And we, so we have decided that in this episode, we're going to talk about, you know, what as a society, what can we do to stop them, slow them? What can we do to survive them? All of that kind of stuff. But first, we need to do an ad. So, Kylie, I love your necklace. Oh, thank you. It's Invisiware. Your necklace corrects your teeth. No, it's actually a safety device. It has a button on the back that if you double-click it, it'll send your location up to five contacts, and it'll notify 911. All that, and it corrects your teeth? No, that's Invisalign. So, yeah, if you go over to Invisiware.com and use the coupon code IMPACTEVENTS, it gets you 10% off of anything that you purchase. Oh, great. Are they all necklaces? No, they have bracelets and scrunchies as well. And once I go to Invisiware.com, how much does the coupon code get me off again? It gets you 10% off of anything that you purchase. And that's Impact Defense, right? Impact Defense is the coupon code, yes. Great. All right. So, now that the ad is done, I think uh, you have a story for us today, Jada. It's time for our news story. All right. Okay, so our news story today comes to us from Oklahoma in 2020. So, in this situation, a woman was at a shopping center and had been involved in an earlier altercation at the same center. She left and returned about three minutes later and started to open fire on the shopping center and people around. She had not even hit anyone when a concealed carry holder um, actually shot and fatally wounded her. So before anyone was ever actually hit by the mass shooter, she was put down by a concealed carry permit holder. Very good job to the concealed carry permit holder. Um, Did what he needed to do in that position. I mean, that's that's kind of the point of having a concealed carry permit, in all honesty. And this one actually never made it into the real news. So this one was so only on a private site. It seems like our news is focused on only the absolute worst things that can happen. So you very rarely hear about when somebody actually stops a situation mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. It's like innocent people almost died today, but it was prevented. So Yeah, somehow innocent people almost dying does not get nearly as many views on the news as when like in uh, all actuality that's what we want to happen. I know. Yeah. Exactly. And, you know, it was interesting to find a news story about a female mass shooter. You know, that was not <laughs> or almost mass shooter anyway. Yeah. Um 
because it you know, it may not have gotten to that point, but you don't often hear about the women opening fire. So That's a whole different, different kind of news story today. Very, very true. I'm glad that it happened quickly and ended quickly, that is. Yeah. So anyway, uh, we're going to talk about like how you can survive a mass shooting, uh, how you can, or how and how we as a society can help to slow or stop them. Uh, first off, we're talking about surviving. I think the biggest thing get is, training. Yes, yes, get training, get some education, um, and this actually brings up something that uh, Jada and Gentry and I just finished up. Uh, and that was the Alive program. Uh, Kylie missed out on that one. Uh, that's okay. We still we still can do it. Um, Miss out on all the good stuff. No, you don't. <laughs> so the There al- are some videos in that program that you're probably not going to want to watch. Agreed. Okay. Yeah. I think you'd be all right. So, I mean, it's true. It's real, but it's not gruesome or anything horrible. Um, but it really, really is. Uh, well, though, okay. There was maybe one. There's at least one you're not going to want to watch. Okay. Maybe two. Maybe two. Okay. So, anyway, uh, it's really eye-opening, though. <laughs> very, very eye-opening. So, what did what did you two think about the Alive program? I thought it was really good. I mean, I think it encompassed everything that you need to know to be prepared for an active shooting. Mm-hmm. Um, they had some really good information in it to be prepared and to hopefully escape yeah. in the event that you ended up in that situation. And I really liked it. Yeah. See that one of the things I enjoyed about it was just how organized it was. It was just a step by step. Yeah. If this, then yeah. this, yeah. If not that, then this, you know, it was step by step. It really laid everything out in a super organized fashion. And, um, that's one thing about when we talk about this on the podcast or anything like that, we can give really good information, but, the Alive program gives fantastic order. Yeah, I would, I would tend to completely and totally agree. Um, I think, really, that is up there amongst the best of anything that I have seen. And I also really, in all honesty, loved how basically it was shown uh, how inept Run, Hot Fight is. Or at least the way Run, Hot Fight is taught. Mm-hmm. The Alive program seems like that is the way that Run Hot Fight should be taught to me. That's Very what much. I thought. Right, I agree. Was that was that one video um, that they showed? Was that like an official Run Hot Fight video that he kind of showed, and then kind of come back and said, "Okay, well, this is wrong, and this was wrong. Let's fix this and this kind of thing." Um, I it didn't specify whether it was or not, okay. but I think it makes sense that it would be. It seemed that way. So um, they actually give. Um, videos in the program that show correct way of handling when you hear gunshots in the workplace or um, in an office or something like that. It it shows what to do and what not to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so it it really lays it out and gives you examples and not just set and not just stating it, but it gives you something that solidifies it. I yeah. just the, I like the fact that it was very much this step is wrong do this instead. This step is wrong. Do this instead. And every single step was laid out for you to Yeah. for you to critique it and then shown you what's the better option. Yeah. 
It's, it's definitely the best online um, training I have seen. Now, I would say, uh, and I'm getting a little ahead of myself here, but I will just say this real quick. Uh, I still, I think the in-person is much better than online training. Yeah, agreed. Yes. I, I think, you know, unless you have a really, really good solid backing, backing in something, I think online is, is good, but in-person is much better. Yeah. In-person always gives you that even if you're not doing physical movement with it, there's something different about that in-person yeah. training that just really helps it stick in your mind. Yeah. I well, think it, it also allows the teacher to personalize what they're saying to their audience. Right. Yeah. yeah. So if you haven't, uh, if you don't know what we're talking about with the Alive program, we actually had Josh Sullivan, um, master instructor of the Alive program, on our podcast several weeks back. I can't remember exactly when it was, but it was several weeks back. Um and uh, and that was one thing we said at that point in time that we were going to go through the we were going to go through the program uh, and and check it out and honestly yeah I think it's a very good thing um, so much so that I am going to go ahead and go with go forward with moving into doing the uh, instructor certification with them as well um, and I you know I understand this is like the fourth certification that I will have by <laughs> something to teach uh, their I don't particular think you can have too many certifications. Not as long as they're good. Not as long as they're good. <laughs> you know, yeah. uh, there's some bullcrap uh, kind of certifications out there that I really could not care less about having. Um, <laughs> the dust guy, if he offered some type of certification, I would not. Uh, I would not take three steps to to get that cert. But that's me. Um, it's anybody that's huge fans of him that's listening to this, I apologize. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> I think he's more of a marketer than he is a self defense expert my opinion uh, but anyway um so there as long as it's a good certification i don't think it's necessarily bad let's just be i got i don't even know how many certifications i have to teach things at this point in time i just found out the other day i had something completely different i was like oh i didn't even remember doing that one right there <laughs> okay that's right i forgot about that so, so i still have all the information i just don't remember doing the certification <laughs> for the information that I yeah have in my head. yeah um <laughs> But I think something I just love about the Alive program is it is so step-by-step. It makes it feel actually doable to the everyday citizen. That's that's the thing I love about the order of it because it just lays it out step-by-step. You can have that living... living rent-free inside your head, you know, right? Yeah. Um, all the time. And the everyday person can grasp onto it super quickly and just... Having that ordered step-by-step program would give the everyday office worker or just the everyday parent or whoever the confidence to be able to actually do something in that situation. Having an ordered step-by-step thing, it gives someone solid ground to stand on when the unimaginable happens. Yeah, that's true. And, I mean, um, I I guess the only other program that I have seen that I thought was as good is the Cobra Defenses program. And... I think they lay things out really well as well. Um, the one thing they don't have any kind of, if they have an online training, I'm trying to remember, and I actually looked it up and I couldn't find it, but I was thinking they did. Um, I did not think it was as good as the the, the online version. I mean, yeah, I, I know they have to have it in some way because I've seen some of it. Um, you know, when I went and got certified, I'm a certified instructor with them as well. Uh, when I got, when I went and did that with them, I was like, this was so far and beyond anything else that I had ever done. 
But the Alive program was the one that I looked and go like, nope, that matches it. That is as good as what the Cobra had done. Um, so I was I was a big fan of both of those. But either way you got to do it, uh, or either way you do it, make sure you check the, uh, I don't know, certifications, right, exactly. But just check check the guys teaching the class. The credentials? Credentials, that's the word make I was Make sure they're for. legit. Yeah, there's a lot of people out there that try to, to tell everybody, say, hey, let's, let's, we're going to have this active shooter seminar, and uh, they don't actually have any kind of training whatsoever. Um, the one thing about being certified with, like, four different organizations, you know, I got a lot of information in my head about active shooter stuff. All right, so, like we said, in-person training is much better than online training. And that's one thing that Cobra does really well, especially – like we did, we did get to see videos of them instructing in person things. Yes, um, their videos for when you're becoming a certified instructor are of them teaching something live, not mm-hmm. just you know cutting into a video telling you about how to instruct it. It shows them instructing it live. Yeah, I love watching them build stack teams and making people put in practice doing something. Yep, uh, they do a really good job of getting people up. Moving and trying things, mm. building stack teams, practicing escaping, practicing timing things, yeah. talking about um, the things they did right, the things they did wrong. Yeah, I, I'm also a big, big fan of actually doing things and not just sitting there and listening to a seminar. Um, I know, like, J.D., you and I went to a uh, local business and it was uh, the corporate offices, and they had the warehouses and everything. And uh, I know we spoke about this on that one with um, Joshua Sullivan on. But uh, anyway, you know, the people that came in and just gave a run, hot fight talk, they came in and gave a one-hour run, hot fight talk. They did not really fully explain things. So whether it was just... Uh, bad in the fact that they didn't fully explain everything or whether it was a you know just kind of giving bad information these people walked away with some really bad information and that's what we were talking about with him on the podcast it was like the guy was like oh, okay so we should just hide under the desks well the desks were completely they're just open bottoms like tables you know uh that was horrible you know you're now you're shooting fish in a do barrel want, at that point yeah, in time do you want to corner yourself what <sighs> yeah and we saw actually i saw videos of that on the alive program, was that from Columbine? That was from Columbine, yes. That's what I thought. So you have, you know, from Columbine where the guys go and, and kids are just hiding under the tables and they just go up to the table and start shooting people because they can't go anywhere. Right. And I had never seen that footage before. I had not either. And That's one thing that I don't know that Carly should really watch if she goes on and watches yeah, yeah, <laughs> no, yeah, watches I mean, the alive program is I don't know that she wants to hear children screaming under desks. Yeah, no. I mean, there's, there's times where, you know, okay, oh, let's just kind of move past this little part right here. Yeah. That was kind of, that was rough. But just the fact of knowing that those kids had never been taught anything other than hide under your desk. Yeah. When they were in an open room where they they had the opportunity to escape. Yeah. Well, they said the kids that did escape, every single one of those survived. Right. Yeah. The ones who, instead of um, doing what they were taught and hiding under the desk, the the ones who shot for the door, those are the ones that made it. Right. It was like, what, eight under the desk and six of them died? Is that right? Or am I? I think every one of them under the desk died. But I, I don't. They said two survived. I can't remember for sure, so I'm not going to say. Okay. <laughs> um, it was a higher number than it. Uh, yeah. If not all died, then like three quarters died. It was somewhere in that range, mm-hmm. though. Either way. Um, so, 
I was asked the other day, we were teaching a uh, concealed carry class, and I was asked by someone who took our concealed carry class, said, you know, what's a policy as a nation that we can use to stop mass shootings? And I told that gentleman, I said, well, unfortunately, I, you cannot have a policy against evil. And people are going to do evil. Evil people are going to do evil things. We have the, the guy in Europe who uh, used a vehicle and killed like 78 people. We have the guy in, I think it was China, that went on a knife stabbing spree and killed like nine and injured 12 or something like that. Um, it does not matter. If somebody is really, really wanting to kill people, they're going to find a way. And I think we've seen nobody, nobody with a gun that I'm familiar with at this point. Now, I could be wrong. It happens at least maybe once or twice a year. Uh, but that was a joke. <laughs> um, I could be wrong, but I don't think anybody has matched the guy's numbers with a gun that that one guy did with the vehicle. I don't remember what the numbers were, but I remember it was a lot more. I want to say it was like 78 people that, that he killed with a vehicle. Right. Yeah. And I don't but think... You can't outlaw cars, you know? Yeah. Right. So, I mean, just taking guns away is not going to take any, change anything. Number one, uh, you have a... Because killing people is already illegal. Yeah. People if, do it anyway. Yeah. Right. What was that you and I saw the other day? I was talking about like, oh, oh, these things are... Oh, it was... It was uh, um, they call it the Glock switch, and it would be put on a Glock handgun. Uh, well, uh, duh, obviously. Right. Sorry, my yeah, bad. Not that part. <laughs> it would be put on a Glock, and it would make it uh, shoot fully automatic. Yep, it's just a pin you insert that. Yeah. Okay. One of the guys that were on there says, "Well, the fact that these things are being manufactured illegally is actually what is keeping us from being able to, you know, stop them." And he says it's, it's just making it basically almost impossible to keep them out of people's hands because they're manufactured illegally anyway. Which is exactly what would happen with firearms. Yeah, you know, like Firearms are currently legal for people to own, but they're already being manufactured illegally to people who shouldn't have them. So Manufactured or sold to people or stolen mm-hmm. or, you know. Um, yeah. So just making things harder to, to get a firearm is not going to change mass shootings because it's, we have more guns than we have people in this country. Even if they go through and collect as many guns as they possibly can, there are still guns out there. And that's, I mean, that's the guns they know about. You would have a very crowded household if you had one person for every gun. <laughs> that's true. Especially, I, I looked at some figures and they said that um, there was almost as many unregistered firearms in this nation as there are registered firearms in this nation does the best that they can tell. So let's say they go through and they take all the firearms that they know of. There's still almost that many left if they can successfully take them. And if a criminal, criminals don't care. That's the problem. They don't care about the law. So you can't just make a policy. So, oh, don't do this because mass murder is all, murder of any type is already uh, illegal. So anyway, like no so how do we do it? there and thinks, oh, you want to rob a bank today? Hang on, let me check the legality of that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You know, unfortunately, you just cannot have a policy against that kind of thing. Um, You know, we look at somewhere like uh, Switzerland that has almost as many guns per person in Switzerland as they do here in America, and yet they don't have near the amount of uh, fire. I mean, of mass shootings. 
And let's think about what's the difference. Uh, mental health. Mm-hmm. You know, we have a mental health crisis going on in this nation. Thoroughly believe that. Oh, yes. So mm-hmm. if we're looking at the root cause of that, we have this mental health you know, crisis that's going on. What do we do? The vast majority of people who do some type of mass shooting are troubled. They are loners. They, uh, they, you know, so how do you, how do you help people like that? We have to unisolate our nation. Yeah. If you see somebody that is just completely, let's just be honest. Everyone can probably think of someone that you go, yeah, they, they kind of fit the, fit the mold, you know? And most of the time, that type of person, they need a friend. They need, you know, somebody. They need somebody to talk to. I mean, I know I have reached out there and been that person for somebody before. Um, I think one of the big things is let's, let's get out there and try to be more open, welcoming to people. You know, try to help people, try to be good neighbors. It's interesting to look at America as compared to other countries because we're built on the foundation of independence, yeah. you know. Yeah. Um, um, but we talked about that at two podcasts ago on our July 4th episode. Yes, we did. We're built on the foundation of independence. And independence with the right definition is not a bad thing. Um, but when we take independence and basically turn ourselves against needing other people or thinking that other people should need us, that becomes a serious problem because I don't know. It's basically been proven that we do need other people for mental health. You know, even if you're the most introverted person in the world, you still need connection to be sane. Yeah. Well, look at the, um, just look at the numbers from when like we were shut down. Suicides went up, um, uh, spousal abuse went up, uh, all these things went up because people were isolated in their homes. You know, very I, much. Yeah. I keep on saying very much. I need to stop that. That's all good. <laughs> um, but I was looking at some statistics, uh, and people being isolated traps them in their own head. 80% of a person's thoughts in a day are negative. And I, I want to say... Eight, 85 to 90% are repetitive. When you're trapped in your own head, you're repeating those negative thoughts and there's no person to bust you out of it. You know? Yeah. Like, that's where the importance of people come in. You see someone who's constantly complaining or constantly focused on the negative? Guess what? You can help with that. You know? Point out the positives. Be a positive. You know? Show up at someone's house randomly with the dessert that they said they liked. Be like, here, I just showed up to give you this. Hope you have a great day. You know, how long does that actually take? It's, it's like just being friendly doesn't take all that much, yeah. but it could really help the mental health of our nation. 80% of a person's thoughts in a day are negative. Repeating those, that gets dangerous. It's, called, it's a process called rumination that builds those ruts in your brain that send you to those thoughts easier. Yeah. I talk to the kids in the classes about every time you respond a specific way to a situation, it makes it easier for your brain to respond that way again later. 
you get to choose how you respond to things. It's like, and when you see someone in the process of that rumination sinking into depression and um, bad mental health, break them out of the habit. Change the rut. It's possible. Yep. Agreed. I think another thing is to, um, and, and, and this is where some people are not going to like what I have to say. But I think uh, another thing is cutting back on gun-free zones. So another thing that I think is going to make some people mad is I think that they should cut down, maybe not completely cut out, but cut down on gun-free zones. The reason is 82% of all mass shootings happen within gun-free zones because cowards will go where there are no guns and then try to shoot as many people as possible now let me let me just say talk about this figure for just a moment because 82 percent uh if you look you can pretty much find whatever percentage you want to find in a lot of these things so if you look at people who really just want to outlaw guns one of the things that they say is only 10 percent of people uh are 10 percent of shootings happen in gun-free zones and then if you look on the other side with people who says, hey, no, uh, we won't, you know, a complete and total gun, whatever, uh, no gun laws or anything, then most of them will say 98% happen in gun-free zones. So where did I end up with 82%? I, I wanted to look for a as fair and balanced of a thing as possible. Basically, the way they get their numbers, they're real numbers. They're not made up. But the way they get their numbers is they go in and they pick and choose what they want to be inconsistent with or to be that was consistent with their values. Uh, What I wanted to find is what is the most realistic. Okay? So the way they get the 98% no, that's back to off. The one they get the way they get the 10% of shootings happen inside of gun-free zones is they will add into uh, shootings that will happen at people's houses. Hmm. So let's say uh, Jada is having a party, and she has twenty people over at her house. Because we know Jada loves a party. Yeah, yeah mm-hmm. I just I just love being surrounded by lots of people. Okay, but we're going to use you <laughs> as Sorry, an example. Anyway. Uh-huh. So let's say Jada is having a I'm party. The, I'm the most realistic age here for partying. True. So. That's true. Okay. And somebody comes in there, gets a little drunk, they have a gun on them, they get mad, or maybe they already have a beef with somebody and they're going to come up and they're going to start just open fire and start shooting people. Okay. Now, is that an active shooter event? Generally not, because that is more of a, you know, you get mad in the moment and you pull out a gun and start shooting people, or it's gang violence. That happens a lot as well. Uh, if you throw all gang violence and things where people just get mad at a person's house and shoots a family member, you know, family, if you throw all those numbers in there, it's going to really throw off everything, you know, throw off your numbers. But then on the other side, I was looking, it's like the other stuff, they were like cutting out all kinds of things too. So it just, the best number that I could find, the fairest number that says, we're not going to count gang violence. Because that's not really an active shooter event. Sometimes these are crossfires between gangs. Sometimes somebody shows up at somebody's house and starts shooting people because they are whatever. Most of that's all gang violence. So the fairest and most 
sensible number that I could actually find when you're talking about public place shootings, it's 82%. You know, when you're thinking about what you, what do you, what do you think about when you think mass shootings or, or active shooter, you think about going into a mall and somebody pulling out a gun and shooting and killing as many people as possible. You think about somebody shooting in a schoolhouse, you know, these are the things that, so if we actually look at what happens where you are, you know, in danger by being in public, that's that's the number there. So I think some of these zones, if some of these gun-free zones did not exist, uh, people wouldn't go into those places so much. Let's say, what if, and this is just the brand theoretical, whatever, what if every place that does not have armed security, like, seriously armed security like courthouses and other things like that i'm not talking about like uh jim bob with a pea shooter on his side but i'm talking about like actual like real armed security team um how about any place like that take that out if you want to keep guns or our school or sorry if you want to keep schools gun free um how about putting a couple of armed security I heard one guy make a big argument for that and was talking about the possibility of, like, take retired military and you put two of those guys in every school. You tell me most of those guys would not die for those kids. I think it's a fantastic idea. Yeah. So, you know, one of my arguments I said, and I had an argument with a, not an argument, it was an online, well, no, it was a. Discussion? Yeah. I was on a radio show. And we were talking, and I made the comment that I think that if a teacher has a concealed carry permit, I think they should be able to carry at school. Well, that did not go over well. <laughs> but my, here, here was my argument to this. I don't think that teacher would probably ever have to use it. If you know, if you're a shooter and your goal is to go in, if you're an active, horrible, active, coward shooter, and you're going to go in and shoot up the place and try to kill as many people as possible, which is whatever one of those guys wants to do, but you know that, like, oh, like, there are 50 teachers in the school, and let's say 20 of them all have concealed carry permits. What are my chances of being able to go into that school and shoot without getting shot back at? It's not as good now. They might choose a better place or another place to do it. You know? Anyway, that's just that's my two cents on it, and I know it's going to piss off some people. But, you know, I mean, as a parent, I would be more likely to choose a school for my children to go to that has either armed security or the teachers are armed themselves. Yeah. I don't want my kids in a gun free area. Yeah. Now, we're not saying armed with absolutely no training on how to safely. No, like, no, 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 no. We're talking about people with a concealed carry permit. And if a teacher is going to be allowed, to, I, I'm not. I'm pretty sure I would prefer that if a teacher is allowed to conceal carry in a school, there actually be realistic training on yeah. here right. is how to effectively yeah, use this I, I, would a, I would agree with that. And so, how to... Here, you need to take um, at least this one eight-hour course a year. Yeah, that would be a good idea um, on specifically using it in that environment. And also uh, weapon retention and making sure... It, safeguards put in place on how to keep the kids from being able to ever actually see it, you know? Yeah. Right. Like yeah, I mean, that would definitely be part of it. You making know, you, sure you're wearing clothing that keeps it from being noticeable. The children in the class should probably not know you have it. Yep. Um, especially in a high school kind of situation as well. Um, 
but things like that. Maybe even forcing them to have higher retention holsters. Yep, I'm um, okay with that too. All of those things are things that are able to be put in place to make it safer for teachers to carry. But also, you got to think in an active shooter situation, a teacher with a gun is going to be able to better protect their class than a teacher without. Especially yeah. not. They're especially going to be able to do a better job than hiding under an open floor desk. Yeah. And and then what? you have, but then you also have where they are allowed to have their concealed carry on the property, but it has to be locked in their vehicle. Yeah, that does no good. Well, and that's that's just here in this state. I don't know right. how it is in other states. Right, but that does no good. I know. Um, did I see something about Texas allowing certain school teachers to have? I don't know. There is a there is a state, and I can't remember that just passed a law that allowed uh, teachers with concealed carry permits to carry in the school. Pretty sure I just if that was a broader that. thing, I think I think it would be better. Now I, I know some people are probably going to go, yeah, I get behind you on point number one, I get behind you on point number two, um, but I just can't get behind you on point number three, and that's fine. You know, this is the we're gonna we can agree to disagree. I agree to disagree with a lot of people. But this um, is our podcast, and you get to hear our opinions. That's right. <laughs> and sometimes our opinions don't even aren't even the same across the board here. Yeah, but, we're all. Everyone at this table has different opinion on certain things, and we're okay with that. So close your eyes real quick. Okay, picture this. I like how Gentry's like really listening. I'm gonna, I'm gonna leave. I'm, I'm gonna really leave my listening. eyes open because I actually got to hear this earlier. So <laughs> I'll play along. Okay, picture this. You're watching your favorite superhero TV show, and you've got the superhero and then the villain. And the villain, what does he do or she? He always breaks the rules. And just like in a cartoon, it happens in real life, too. So, yeah, villains exist in real life, too. Especially when it comes to mass shooting. Those are, those are really bad. Yeah, they're horrible cowards. Mm-hmm. So, why don't we change the cutback on the gun-free zones? I think that's a good idea. We should probably do that. <laughs> that's just my opinion. There you go. The opinion of a 15-year-old. Yeah. Okay. So, um, yeah, I mean, if it shows that that most active shooters, mm-hmm, most active shootings happen inside of gun-free zones, uh, if we take some of those gun-free zones away, where are they going to head to? Um, Did you guys happen to see about the uh, the... A former former military uh, man that just out of Texas school showed up one day and asked if he could just volunteer to stand guard at the front of the school. No, I did not. For hours, he just stood outside of the school, standing guard to make sure everyone was okay. Like, just volunteered to do that. (laughs) Like, if if retired military is willing to stand out there for free how much better would it be if you could like actually offer some retired military some jobs yeah i know and allow them to do something that they're good at mm-hmm. to protect innocent lives yep all right so anyway we do need to uh move along because we this episode's starting to run a little long all right so uh let's hear from our another one of our sponsors Callie. Callie. Callie, stop shooting lasers. Stop it. All right, listen. I know it's fun. I got you. I understand. 
and I know it's a whole lot cheaper than using ammo, but you know, if you constantly use the cert pistol, nobody else gets a chance to use the cert pistol. Put it down. Out of curiosity, why don't we just use our coupon code with cert to get more cert pistols so that we can all spend all the time we want using our cert pistols? Actually, that's not a bad idea. So if you actually go to certpistol.com and use the coupon code Impact Defense, you get 10% off. Oh, okay. Then I guess we don't get to use the cert pistol until we use our own coupon code. Apparently not. Okay. So, um... So this has been a very full podcast. It has. Um, just to kind of backtrack and retrace our steps a little bit, we, we talked a bit about um, getting education and training and a couple of the places that you can do that, uh, whether it be the Alive program or Cobra Defense or... Um, or Impact Defense. Or Impact Defense. I mean, we um, offer several of these things. I am certified to teach four of them, so... <laughs> yes. Um Talk to some about in-person training being better than online. So if you have an opportunity near you or to just take a vacation and take one of our classes, you know, um, in-person training is better than online because you have the chance to do something hands-on where you're not just, you know, getting your cousin together and going, "Eh, let's see if we can try some of these things. (laughs) Being under an instructor when you do that is going to health. Whether it be in-person or online training, checking the teacher, making sure they have legitimate credentials, um, and they're not just a, not just a self-certified person, you yeah. know. Um, and then talk to some about how mental health factors into the reason we have mass shootings and mass shooters being a problem in this nation. Um, yeah, and where mass shootings happen. We've covered all of these topics, and I hope it was all useful to you guys. Yep. If you are enjoying this serious podcast, go ahead and go over to Apple Podcast, rate us, and please, 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 please write a review. That way we can start um, reading your reviews on the podcast again, because I think that was fun. You guys should write more. Go ahead. I know you want to. Write more. Okay. So, well, Kylie is continuing to beg. Uh, thank you guys very much for listening to no, the podcast to. today. Shh. And uh, <laughs> we will see you in the next episode. Don't forget to write more. Goodbye.